0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest episode of the Courteliniş Podcast. I'm your host Zach Lowy, here today with a very special guest, uh, Tiago Coimbra, who is uh, in charge of the uh, communications department at Portimonech. So, so far, you know, this season at at we we've had the chance to to discuss uh, quite a few teams. We've had some team centric podcasts, not just the bigger clubs such as. Porto, Sporting, and Benfica, but been going for uh, somewhat smaller clubs lately. Famalicão, uh, Boa Vista, we did last week with Jose Pedro Paes, Santa Clara. We've we've been going over some uh, smaller clubs, so I'm really excited to have Tiago on today to discuss Porto Monenche, because for me they have been one of the biggest revelations uh, of this season in Portugal. So how are you today, Tiago? Hello, good afternoon. I'm fine today, yeah. A
1: bit nervous for the game today, but <laughs> I'm fine, yeah.
0: Right, of course. Porto Manenche taking on Vitoria de Guimaraes. Uh, going to be a really interesting game. What are, your, what are your expectations going into today's game? So today's game
1: is, is a hard game. It's a tough game because uh, Vitoria has the same points. Uh, we have the same points as Vitoria. And we came from a bad, a bad moment. So I don't know what to expect. Uh, the team in Portimo is not playing what's supposed to play. Vitoria um, have the motivation of facing a team with these problems. And I think it it will be a hard game to Portimonense, But I hope that we win and have their five plays today.
0: Of course, as you mentioned, uh, not a great run of form for Portimo lately. We've seen over the past two weeks... After, after Porto Monech, after 10 men, Porto Monenche, uh, defeated Famalicão on penalties uh, to advance in the Tassa de Portugal round 16, we've seen uh, Porto Monech lose to Sporting, uh, no shame in that, of course, uh, Porto Monech going down to 10 men uh, in the 58th minute there, then losing 2-1 to one to Maricimo uh, before being knocked out of the Tassa de Portugal to second-division side Mafra, who uh, have been an absolutely fascinating story, Mafra. They're going to be playing in the Taça de Portugal semifinals against Tondela. So there is a chance that they could be uh, in that final in Jamor against one of Porto and Sporting. What would you say have been the biggest reasons for Porto Monache's Uh, poor run of form obviously only three games so definitely not a crisis by any by any stretch but uh what what do you think have been some of the reasons for this poor run of form
1: so i'll separate the the exhibition for the league and i'll separate the tassel portugal game so i think the team played well for the league like the has you shame. There's no shame, as you said, there's no shame of losing to to Sporting. Uh, it was a bit of luck, the ten men, and that's just playing against Sporting enough a lot. That's hard. The Maritimo, the Maritimo problem, I think it was the incapacity of the team, the 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 incapacity to score. Uh, the team only scored one goal, had many chances, but and Maritimo um, had two attacks and scored two goals. One from a individual mistake, and the second. Uh, from a counter-attack at the final of the game, when Portimonense was trying to win the game. The Mafra game was different. Mafra came as an outsider and scored from individual mistakes again. In that case, two penalties and two individual mistakes from Pedrão and Angulu. And I think Paulo Sérgio made a big mistake too. He took off Sa and Carlinhos at the mid-time and he lost completely the midfield. The team couldn't construct. And that was the, the second half problem. That is, I think the team can, can solve these problems. It's some little mistakes, little individual problems, and I think it can be solved.
0: Absolutely. Hopefully uh, a good result today against Vitoria de Guimaraes. You mentioned, though, you know, some goal-scoring issues. And I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I wanted to make a quick detour so, one player who we've been talking about a lot on Cortolinhas over the past year uh, since, we, since we launched this podcast, we're approaching the one year mark at Cortolinhas, is Beto. Beto, uh, one of the biggest revelations of the league season last, uh, last season in Portugal, otherwise known as Norberto Berchique uh, Gomes Betunsal. Um, and I highly recommend, if you haven't yet, check out uh, Vito Doria's article on Beto uh, on the website that we just published um, with regards to his performances at Udinese, as well as the latest uh, Rompiendo Lineas, our Spanish-language podcast uh, that was just published regarding Beto. Two, two pieces of Beto content, one's a Spanish podcast, one's an English-language article. Both very good uh, to get a depiction of his performances in Italy. Um, But Beto, you know, one of the biggest revelations for Portimonense last season, did very well, started the season well at Portimonense, But uh, when he learned of Udinese's interest, he forced a move, uh, ended up joining Udinese on a season-long loan with an option to buy, and has been uh, quite good for the Italian club. Are, are you surprised at all by how Beto is doing at Udinese? Uh, no, no,
1: no surprising at all. Beto had a great evolution here in Portimonense, and it's normal to, to do that. Beto has a great potential. He's not even at his best. He can do better, he can improve more. But Beto is a completely beast, and I think it's not surprising for anyone that batto is making his season at some, at uh, Udinese.
0: Right, and going on to how Portimonense have replaced them, you know, we we've talked a bit about, you know, their their replacements, Willington Aponza, a player who who I think has has done fairly well, the Colombian striker. A Few other options of course, uh likes of we've seen uh, Aponza obviously one one striker. We've also seen the Brazilian uh forward Fabricio who has joined on loan from Urara uh, Red Diamonds in, um, in the, the Japanese side. So it's been interesting how they've tried to replace him. Do you feel that Portimonense have done a good job of replacing Beto? And and to another degree, how do you think they have felt uh, his absence? I think that
1: Portimonense didn't repla- replace Beto. So... Uh, talking of Aponza, Aponza is similar to Beto but he suffers for the same problems that Beto felt at the beginning. The ball control problems, the finishing problems. And I think Portimonense changed his way to play by um, making Fabricio his number 9. So Fabricio is a fake 9. Fabricio plays as a pivot to open the wingers, like in this case Ailton. And that's the, um, that's a fact. Portimonense last year played for Beto. And this year, Fabricio is playing for the teammates. I think that's a big difference.
0: That is a very interesting thing you said, you know. And I think that what you mentioned the false nine role, that's something that we've seen, you know, to a degree with, with teams such as Manchester City, you know, obviously to, to a higher degree, but, uh, you, you know, you have to take the good with the bad, I think, which is a really interesting point. I want to talk a little bit about this Portimonage side on a tactical level. That goes back to the manager. Above all, it goes back to the manager, Paulo Sergio. So Paulo Sergio um, has been managing for, I think, around two decades. I believe he has had some spells uh, abroad. I think he managed hearts in Scotland. Uh, Apuel in Cyprus, as well as a, a few teams in Asia. But returning to Portimonense in 2020 after after a, a long spell abroad, I'm, I'm curious, but what, what were your first reactions to Paulo Sergio's appointment as Portimonense manager? So
1: in 2020, 20, when Paulo Sergio came, uh, Portimonense was in crisis of result. Only 14 points. In the middle of the season. And Antonio Folha. The, the last manager. Went off that day. And when they announced Paul Sergio. Was like. Uh, Paul Sergio came as a messiah. Someone who came to save Portimonense. From the relegation. That was the main goal. And uh, of course I saw Paul Sergio. Uh, last games. I saw Paul Sergio's tactics. And Paul Sergio is. Uh, is and was a manager. Who likes 4 2 But in Portimonense. He hadn't got. To, to strikers. So he made it a four two three and now a four two three one.
0: Yes, of course. Um, and Portimonense, as, as you mentioned, they were in crisis. They were a second from the bottom at the time when he arrived just before the start of the COVID-19 pam- pandemic. And he did quite well, one manager of the month. But Portimonense ended up being relegated. Of course, Portimonense. And and yet Paulo Sergio decided to stay with them. Portimonense ended up staying uh, in the top flight due to Fitoria de Stubal's uh, financial irregularities. Now that moment I think is crucial because you know you're you're relegated, but then you're not relegated. Do you feel like there was any wake up call for Portimonense at that time? Uh, you know, we, we came so close to going down. We should have gone down if it weren't for another team's financial problems. Do you feel like there was anything that, that the club did differently in the summer of 2020? I think we have two
1: wake-ups. The, the team wake-up was when Paul Saju came and the, the team shown a difference of attitude. With, with, with Antonio Folha uh, not just faulting the team and not just blaming the manager, but so many things were wrong, and the attitude of the team was one of that problems. Paul Sergio uh, made it one of the good thi- things of the team. The team is intense. The team uh, goes to attack, likes to attack, and I think yes, the administration uh, saw that relegation uh, with bad eyes, of course. And I don't think it was to go to the market and buy players. But look at the inside. Look to the inside. Look, okay. In under-23, we have this, this, and this player. They have a lot of potential. Let's on them. So, Portimonense, uh, uh, like, if these players were relegated, why not to try the young players? And that, and that's how came Beto, Fali Candé, Samuel, and other good players that are playing now for Portimonense.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned a few of them. Uh, I want to talk about Samuel Portugal because, you know, I think that, Portima, actually have had some very good results uh, this season. None, Definitely the the highlight, though, the highlight of this season came on October 3rd when they faced off against Benfica at the Estadio de Luz, a Benfica team that had won every single game, uh, I believe, prior to this match, had a perfect start and were, you know, flying on all cylinders under George Jesus. Uh, Portimonense coming to the Estadio de Luz, taking the lead in the second half via the goal from Lucas Posignolo and hanging on to their first ever win in the Estadio de Luz. This really was the beginning of the end for Benfica, who quickly uh, came into a crisis mode. Uh, it's, it's incredible to think that, you know, just three months after a perfect start, under George Jesus one George Jesus isn't the manager anymore and two uh, they really aren't even in the title race anymore it's 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 turned into what it was last season a two horse race rather than a three horse race uh, so absolutely a monumental result and and this was a game where Benfica were the better side i would say i think Benfica 24 shots to Portimonense's five seven shots on targets Portimonense's three Sixty-nine percent possession. to Portimonense uh thirty-one. But the biggest reason for me, the biggest reason why Portimonense were able to advance with three points, is Samuel Portugal, who had an absolutely phenomenal match uh, in goal for Portimonense. You know, for me, I, I definitely think that he has been one of the better goalkeepers in Portugal over the past two years. Samuel Portugal, ironically, a Brazilian goalkeeper <laughs> who arrived at the Algarvian club in 2019. What are your thoughts on Samuel? How, how important has he been between the sticks? Do you think he could potentially get a bigger move soon? So,
1: I think at this moment, Samuel and Ziga from Gil Vicente are the best goalkeeper in the league. So, I like to call him the goalkeeper of the impossible saves. He's good outside the goal, but, be- but between the posts, he's enormous. And uh, for big markets, yeah, I think Samuel last year was almost going to Italy for 20 million. And that's uh, a matter of time. I-, I think that in the end of the season, Samuel is going to another club for a big budget. And yeah, Samuel has been pretty important to this. Every game, he have an important save. Every game, he's pretty important to the team.
0: Absolutely, really a massive performance from Samuel uh, this season. Another player you mentioned, Fali Kande, uh, has been, you know, uh, definitely one of the biggest revelations this season. And another player who could get a big move. uh, Fali Kande, born in Bissau, capital of Guinea Bissau, uh, moved to Portugal at a young age, had some time at uh, Estrela da Amadora, Atlético Clube de Portugal, Casapia, Niendorfer, Porto, Benfica's B team, um, before eventually making his way to Portimonense in 2018. Been really important as a left back slash left wing back uh, this season, and uh, you know currently away in Cameroon uh, for the Africa Cup of Nations. Um, how how good? has Fali Kandé been? What do you think his ceiling, is? still just 23 years old, what do you think makes him uh, such a special talent at left back? Okay, I think Fali has some
1: defensive difficulties, but offensively, he's great. He combines a lot of speed and an excellent physique, so he can beat their position on one against one. Uh, Fali Kande was one of the players that came with Paul Sergio. It wasn't a battle of Timonese, but when Paul Sergio came in 2020, Fali Kande started playing for the main team, I think uh, the fact that Fali being on the African Cup of Nations, Portimonense do, do not have a direct reposition. Philippe Relvas is a centre-back and the, the other left-back, Lazard, in, injured. So, Portimonense um, lost a part of the system. Sometimes they play with three centre-backs and Ngulu making the wing. Sometimes they just put Relvas in that position. I think that um, Fali has got a lot of potential. He can improve the, the defensive part. Uh, the Portuguese, uh, I think, that hasn't have some proposals on him, big proposals on him yet. I think he, he would stay one more here in Portugal, two more years in Portugal, so he can go to, to big countries, big leagues, and be a great left back. He have the potential for that.
0: Absolutely, and on the other on the other side of defense, uh, we've seen Fab Mufi, a player born in France. Uh, but has played for Morocco's youth teams, has not been called up for the Africa Cup of Nations, but uh, been quite impressive for Portimaneu after joining from Tondela in 2020. 25 years old, so still fairly young as well. Um, And for me, has been one of the better right backs of the season. Uh, What are your thoughts on Mufi? I
1: think intensity is the word that describes Mufi the most. He's similar to Fali, but better at defending. And he came to solve a problem with right backs in Portimonense. Portimonense had Ricardo Pessoa, a 12-year captain. But after Ricardo, Portimonense suffered a lot in the right wing. And Muffy came to solve the d- defensive problems and be one more row to attack. So he's very intense. He likes to attack. And Paul Seggio gives him the entire right wing. So Ailton moves to the middle and Muffy have the wing. And now in the last few in the last few games, Muffy had some important passes, direct passes to Ailton, the assists in Famalicão for the league. And he has great numbers, like 1.2 key passes per game. He wins 60% of the defensive duels and have an average 4.1 defensive actions per game. So he's very intense. He likes to attack, he likes to defend. And Mufi is one of the greatest right-backs of the league, too. And he came to solve a problem. One more player that two more years, two more years, and are in a great league. He's, as you said, 25 years, a lot of potential. And Mufi was a a great signing from Portimonense.
0: Definitely. A lot of interesting moves for Portimonense over the past few years. Uh, One player who I think has been... Worthy of a mention, and and for me been very impressive. Hasn't always been uh, on top of people's radar, but I think has really come into his own over the past season. Is uh, Pedro, 24 years old, uh, born in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and uh, I believe on loan from Palmeiras. So Pedro Pedro Enrique or Pedro uh, coming in to Portimonense and has been very well in the center of defense and, and definitely contributing a big role uh, to their impressive defensive record alongside Fad Mufi, Lucas Posignolo, Falicande, and Samuel Portugal. Um, what, are, what, what do you make of Pedro's performances in the center of defense for, for Porto Monec?
1: At first I would like to highlight the defensive duels and all the three center backs, Don, Osignolo and William. But ignoring that the last game against Mafla that everyone has bad, bad games, had added constancy to Portimonense's defensive sector. Portimonense always conceded many goals due to individual mistakes and Pdodão came to correct that. He is a complete player with his feet, he can attack too, don't commit any mistakes and that's what makes him a great center back. Saying one more time, Portimonense m- mis- uh, had much problems to defend in the past years. And Padrón came as a good centre-back to solve that problems. I think that's what Portimonense has been doing as the last years. As solving positional problems. This position is not right, came Fali this position is not, not right, came Samuel. Well. This position is not right, came to Pedrão. And that's how Portimonense has been doing in the last years. And Pedrão has been important for the defensive record, as I told, as the, the other defenders.
0: A lot of Brazilians in the Portimonense side. Um, one player who I want to talk about is Lucas Fernandes, uh, 24 years old, uh, came through Sao Paulo's academy before joining Portimonense in 2018. I think has been uh, a player who has been who has definitely been on my radar for for a while and and has had a few impressive performances. Hasn't always started, uh, but I I think he's been quite, quite interesting uh, for this Portemont-Ench team. Um, You know, it was just a few years back in, in 2016 when he was. Uh, considered to be a really in, impressive prospect in Sao Paulo's academy, alongside the likes of Eder Militao, David Neres, Luis Araujo. Um, hasn't quite managed to to hit the same heights as them, obviously. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on Lucas Fernandes?
1: I think Lucas is capable of the best and the worst. Lucas is a creative player who is great, but... A great creative player but he has a lot of problems starting with his attitude sometimes he, he, he do not run as the other as the other ones he don't like to, to play it seems sometimes he doesn't like to play he just stay with the ball pass here pass here but when he has to when he has to attack when he has to to say okay now it's my turn let's go he can't do that so Lucas have some nice games and some bad games. And this season, I think Lucas hasn't been on his, on his top. He had a great game against Santa Clara with one assist and one goal. But after that, Lucas has lost himself and Protimonense uh, with Carlinhos that is more, more constant, that is more intense. Lucas has lost his pace. And he's not, he's not he's not, being capable to return to be an initial player. And I think that's part of the, the the difference of the success in that team of São Paulo, that some players became the greatest players in the world, and Lucas Fernandes playing on Portimonese. I think that's one of the biggest differences, is the attitude and the will to play.
0: Absolutely. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. Lucas Fernandes, as you mentioned, that Santa Clara game, was very impressive there, but consistency... That's the biggest thing. That's that's going to be uh, that's really going to determine whether he can make the step up to the next level. But interesting to see what happens. Um, another player who I wanted to mention, another player in midfield who I definitely wanted to mention uh, is Gianelli Imbula. So Imbula has had quite a fascinating story. Uh, born in Belgium. Two Congolese parents moved to Paris at a young age. You know, bounced around several French clubs before making his way to Marseille, where he impressed under Marcelo Bielsa, uh, playing alongside likes of Andre Ayew, Andre Pierre uh Dimitri Payet, doing quite well and earning the interest from Porto, who signed him in 2015 for a club record. 20 million euros this has this was without a doubt one of the worst deals in in Porto's in Porto's history he frankly did not do anything of note for the uh, Dragois. and just around i think 6 7 months later uh, ended up joining Stoke City in the Premier League for a club record 24 million euros and really did not manage to do much uh, for the English club uh ended up getting um dropped quite often and being criticized for his attitude you know a, a very a very poor run of form that saw him go out on loan several times some spells in Italy Spain France and Russia before joining Portimonense in March of 2021 uh, wasn't able to play for them until the start of this season, of course. Uh, but uh, quite quite an interesting career arc for Imbula, who is still just 29 years of age. I'm curious, what, what have you made of Imbula so far for Porto no. Imbula,
1: Imbula is not a starting option for the defensive midfield, is is the, the captain, the captain. or Willian Horsenel that is a centre-back that plays there much times, Imbula is like when Portimonense is winning or when Portimonense is with a good result. Imbula comes to to give body to the midfield. He's not the faster play, not the fastest player. He's not the greatest player, but he can defend. He's big, and I think that's the function in Imbula in, in Portimonense: not starting, not making the other player, pl- the other players play, but defend and maintain the results.
0: Of course. Yeah, Imbula will be interesting to see what happens with uh, this Putumonench side. I think that uh, you know it, it'll be interesting because he he has been a talented player on his day but I think definitely has not made the right career choices. Another player who, you know, super talented, super uh, aesthetically pleasing but has for me has has really ruined his career with some bad career choices. Is Shoya Nakajima. So Nakajima uh, coming through uh, Japan, uh, playing for a variety of, of Japanese clubs such as Tokyo Verde, FC Tokyo, Kataller Toyama, before eventually joining Portimonense in 2017. And uh, looking back at that 2018-19 season for the Algarve side. He was just absolutely phenomenal. Really, one of the best players of that league season. You definitely felt like watching this player. He had the world at his feet, uh, but decided to join Qatari side Al Duhail for a transfer fee of 35 million euros. Uh, playing just seven games for them and and scoring once uh, before joining Porto just a few months later. Uh, In in an an interesting economic agreement uh, that saw him go for a 12 million euro transfer fee, 50% of his economic rights, and uh, signing a contract that saw him have an 80 million euro release clause. This really did not work out at all at Porto. He never quite managed to uh, gel under Sergio Concesao. Obviously, plenty of talented players ahead of him, but... Did not, It didn't seem like it was ever going to work with him, and Conse Sao eventually ended up going back to the Middle East uh, and joining Al Ain on a six-month loan deal, including an option to buy for €40 million. Euros. Um, and he had a very uh, tough injury that saw him break his tibia, and then eventually returning to Portimonense uh this past summer so Nakajima, another player who, you know, a ridiculously talented player, but who, who perhaps has not hit the heights that uh, you would have expected of him at 27 years of age. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on Nakajima's return to Portimonense?
1: Speaking as a young supporter, but I've been told for 30 years person, 40 years person, Nakajima is one of the best players ever to play in Protimonese. And so he's magical, he has a great talent, and the return of Nakajima was very positive to Protimonese. Because when Beto left, Putimones had a problem with a reference player, and the reference player now is Nakajima. Of course, as I, as I told, Putimones changed his way to play, and Nakajima is the brain of the game. He has enormous tactical importance. He when he came in 2017, he played as a winger, but now is an offensive midfielder, and he is returning to the level that we used to in Putimol. Nakajima is great. Nakajima this year is, as I told, returning to be the Nakajima, and I think. The answer is the environment. Nakajima here as a translator, Nakajima here as a conditions, and in Porto in, at, and in Aldoayu, Nakajima was alone, Nakajima do not speak English, Nakajima do not speak Portuguese, Nakajima only knows how to speak Japanese. And that is does not help on his career. So here in Portimão he has the conditions, he has someone who cares about him. In Porto he was only one more player. In all the while, he was a, a great player, but the environment was not the, the greatest for him. So in Portimo, he has all the conditions to be the happy player, to be the, um, the greatest player, the talented player that we used to.
0: Uh, I'm curious, what, what, are the, what are the connections between Portimo and Japan? Because, you know, there are several Japanese players in this team, apart from Nakajima. Uh, Shuhei Kawasaki, Kozuke Nakamura, um, as well as some other players who have, you know, played for uh, Japanese teams, such as uh, we mentioned, Fabricio uh, Everton, um, and if, of course, a few other. I think a few other players in the youth team. I think uh, you've got Yuta Nakano and Tokihiro Sawa in the U23 team. I'm curious, what is the reasoning behind uh, Portimonense's Japanese connection.
1: The asset is pretty simple and the Japanese connection and the Brazilian connection has one name, that is Teodoro Fonseca. The main action is of Portimonense. So, uh, Portimonense likes to go, as you know, to the Brazilian markets, to the Japanese markets, because that's the um, when, when Teodoro started to play, when Teodoro started to work, he started to work in Japan, he started to work in Brazil. There are markets that he, he knows pretty well. Like the, um, the publicity of Portimonense, the main publicity is from Japanese ceremony. And that, that, that man is also an actionist of Portimonense. And that is the connection. And Nakajima, one of the, the pioneers on that connection, and it went so well that I think that Teodoro and the Portimonense administration is trying to find another Nakajima.
0: Absolutely, that that's that's really interesting, uh, for sure. I think that it, it will be tough to find another Nakajima, but uh, you know we'll, we'll just have to see. Um, I'm curious, you know, I'm curious what another connection that I've always been, uh, that I've always wondered about is the connection between Porto and Portimonense. Um, because we've seen quite a lot of business that has been done between the two teams over the past few years. I think that it's hard to find many uh, teams that have had, you know, just so many transfers between the two teams. I'm trying to think of Nakajima, obviously, is one of them uh, who joined on loan from Porto. Um, but, you know, it, it's definitely been a lot of interesting uh connections between the two sides and, you know, just so many so many transfers between the the two teams. What do you think has been the biggest reason behind Porto and Portimenche's uh transfer connections.
1: So it's known that the the new administration, this administration has good relations with the Porto administration due to, as I told, Tudor Fonseca, that is also an actionist of Foculo do Porto. And that's, that is one of the keys of this relation. The the clubs have good relations. And when, when a, a player in Portimonense is a highlight, of course, the three Biggest clubs in Portugal uh, want him, and Porto is one of the the biggest the biggest sharks to want our players, and that's the reason the clubs have good relations. Every season, Portimonense uh, has a player that is a highlight, and Tabata joined Sporting, but the others, Paulinho, Everton, Nakajima, really joined Porto, and that's fact. That the reason is
0: that good relations. Yes. Yes, of course. I, I also, you know, I noticed a uh, recent transfer news. Obviously, Portimonense having some very impressive players that 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 are getting attention from bigger clubs. I, I saw a, a report from Pedro Sepulveda who uh, said that Portimonense are set to sell Aylton Boamort to uh, Itihad Cabal I think, uh, it- Itiad Kalba, uh, that, that would be the name, um, another Middle Eastern side. Uh, Boamort set to uh, sign a contract of three and a half seasons. Are, are you able to confirm those details? Do you think that Boamort will leave? And and if he does leave, you know, I've been a very important veteran leader in this attack. How how big of a blow do you think that will be to Portimović? So
1: I think I can give you the news that at this moment the conversations between the Ailton and the club are not on the are not on the best moments. The the and the club had an agreement, but Ailton I don't think so. Let's wait for the next days to confirm. So Ailton is a very important player, and he can do the the both functions as winger and the main character in Protimonious Attack, the two, Fabricio being the the fake nine. And he has, is another player who have some problems, finishing problems, big finishing problems. Like he's fast. He sometimes, he is capable of the best and the worst. He has the greatest finishing and the worst finishing. And I think Portimonense can't replace Ailton in some phases of the game. The speed, the capacity of a peer. He's right that Ailton fails a lot, but Ailton appears a lot. If he has a lower percentage of goals, he he will also score because he will shoot a lot. And that part is different. Portimonense have Angulo. But Angulo do not have this capacity of a peer. So it will be hard. Maybe Nakajima can, can go back to the wing. And Pratimune start using Luquinha, Lucas Fernandes, Ocarlinho to be the, um, the main man of the midfield. And that's it. Ailton is important. Have his problems. But he's an um, unquestionable importance in this scene.
0: Absolutely. Uh, moving on to some other non-Portimonense uh, content. Taking a look at the weekend's games, we saw Santa Clara and Tondela uh, sharing the spoils in a draw. Also saw Famalicão and Pasos de Pera uh, grinding out a draw. Uh, Boa Vista and Gil Vicente, uh, a very entertaining game between uh, two uh, impressive uh, teams in, in very good form. Uh, Also grinding out a 1-1 draw at Porto. Uh, Maritimo pulling off a very impressive upset against Braga and Sporting uh, taking care of business in a 2-0 victory against Vizela, thanks to goals from Pedro Gonçalves and Daniel Braganza. Uh, Some other interesting games, of course. Benfica, though, perhaps the most surprising result of the weekend, uh, ending up. Drawing to Marac, one-one draw, which we saw Benfica uh, ending up conceding a an own goal uh, from Gilberto, dropping points and 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 Darwin Nunes uh, tying it up just a few minutes later. But overall, not a very good performance from Benfica. and Even worse uh re, an even worse result that pretty much confirms that you know it will be a two horse race between Porto and Sporting doesn't look like Benfica are going to be able to make another make a push for the title for the second straight season. I'm curious what are your thoughts on this benfica performance what What do you think do you think that Benfica might invest in the January transfer window uh to salvage something obviously you know have been poor. In domestic competitions over the past few months, but uh, still alive in the Champions League. And you know, I'm curious. Do you, do you think that they will end up, uh, uh, you know, do, uh, making a dip in the transfer window?
1: I agree with you when you say that Benfica is not fighting for the title anymore. But I think this season, Benfica has a solution. That is something near of what Sporting did with Ruben Amorim. Benfica have great players in under 23. Or at Benfica B, which is leading Liga 2. And they have Veríssimo, who worked with a lot of these, manage- with these players as a manager. So I think this season, Benfica bet, should bet on the young players. Let them create routines. And some of them will be the, next, the near future of this team. So Sporting did, with, did this. With a lot of young players from from academia, and Benfica can do this again with Seychelles. They have enormous players: Paul Bernardo, Enrique Araújo and another talents. And there is many years Benfica has have good uh, good prestations in youth league, have good results in B team under 23 championship, and I think Benfica should look inside and not outside.
0: Absolutely. And, and another player, uh, another talented young player that we saw, uh, Paolo Bernardo, um, another product of the Benfica Academy, 19 years of age, starting in midfield. Uh, we also saw Morato playing in central defense, 20 years old. I think two players who, who could be very important for Benfica over the coming months as they try to salvage something from this season. Uh, the final game of the weekend. Obviously, we've still got this Porto Bonench and Vitória game, but uh, the final game of the weekend uh, we saw first against last. Porto taking on Belenench side uh, in what was a pretty crazy game uh, from from start to finish. Abel Camara putting up. Putting Enchisad up one nothing within 13 minutes via a corner kick goal. saw having a player sent off, Svafello Svitol, very important in their midfield. Uh, the South African sent off within 33 minutes. Evan Nielsen uh, tying things up within seconds after that, and uh, we also saw um, just a few minutes later. Bruno Costa, who had been asked to play in the right-back position uh, due, to the un- due to the lack of options uh, in-, in that position. Uh, Bruno Costa being taken off in the 38th minute for Mery Taremi and, you know, eventually Porto grabbing the decisive second goal from Evan Uh Taremi adding just to that scoreline just a few minutes later... Nevin Nielsen completing his hat-trick. Um, we also saw Abel Camara, the uh, scorer of the opening goal for Belen Aixad, getting sent off in the 91st minute. So, very tough result for Belenenses Aixad in the Estadio de, de Amor. But uh, your thoughts on this Porto game?
1: Okay, so uh, Porto has his uh, fullbacks problem now due to the the, his, the injury of Manafa. The Nanu was on African Cup of Nations but left, Takatito left to Sevilla and Porto have to go to the market and have a fullback. So I like to highlight Fabio Vieira, who made three assists and in the last in, in this season have seven assists, seven assists an average of one key pass per game, and on the last four games, scored two goals and made three assists. And I think in this game, Fabio Vieira, on other games, Vitinha, Fabio Vieira was the most important key, um, key part for this win of Porto. Ivan was great on finishing, Tademi played pretty well too, but I think the answer is Fabio Vieira.
0: Absolutely. I think Fabio Vieira playing in the central attacking midfield role in the 4-2-3-1, I think, for me, the biggest standout of this match. Uh, Fabio Vieira, you know, was arguably the best player of Portugal's U21 Euros last spring and uh, ended up renewing his contract alongside Diogo Costa. Hasn't really gotten much in the way of starting opportunities, but, you know, perhaps this game could be a turning point for him because we all said that Vitor Fireira or Vitinha uh, would not get opportunities under Sergio Sal. That has proven to be false, as as Vitinha has managed to 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 grind out a starting spot in midfield. You know, is there potential for them to coexist? I think if if Conceicao sticks with this four two three one, you know, we've seen him opt for obviously the four four two a lot, um, sometimes even a four three three. But if he sticks with this four two three one, I definitely think there is a sp- a space for Fabio Vieira, And, you know, you mentioned Tecatito Corona leaving for Sevilla. Tecatito, you know, has had a great time at Porto, but has been very disappointing this season after failing to get a move to Sevilla in the summer window. Uh, I think that, you know, without Corona, I think that, one, Porto do need to invest and bring in a a right back uh, in the January window. Personally, I think that especially with Nanu uh, leaving for uh, FC Dallas. I think that makes them a bit weaker. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, whether whether Contesha decides to trust someone from the academy or if he decides to bring someone in. Obviously, there's potential for someone like Tomas Estevez uh, to get more minutes at the right-back position. But uh, I do think that Corona's sale will open up more opportunities to uh, three players, Fabio Vieira, uh, Pepe, the summer arrival from Grêmio, and Francisco Chico Concesal. Francisco Concesal, obviously the son of Sergio Concesal, coming on uh, in the second half for Vitinha and within seconds uh, setting up Evanilson's goal. So I think that those three players will benefit massively. Um, I'm curious, what, what do you think? Do you think that, that's, that, that those three players are good enough to fill uh, Corona's departure?
1: I think yes. Uh, I see uh, the 4 2 three, 3 1 of Porto with Fabio Vieira and Vitinha together in the midfield. Uribe, Fabio Vieira, Vitinha being the center midfielder, the offensive midfielder. And the wings uh, I, give, I give to Luis Diaz and Otávio. And I think Pepe could be a second option to Otávio. And I see Francisco Conceição as a game locker. So, Porto in the last two games scored seven goals, four of them with Conceição in the field. So, on the last 200 minutes of Porto, Francisco Conceição played 45, scored one goal, assists other, he's fast, he likes individual initiatives, and I don't see him as an initial player, but I see him as a game locker.
0: Definitely. And another player I want to talk about a lot, another young, promising talent on this Porto team, uh, six goals in his last four games, Evan Nielsen. Evan Nielsen, uh, you know, Brazilian forward who joined from Fluminense in the summer of 2020, really struggled for opportunities in his first season behind uh, Musa Marega and Merytane and Tony Martinez, but uh, has been absolutely fantastic, even starting last uh, last game, over Mary Taremi, I do think that uh, considering that Conceição likes the 4-4-2, I, I think that he starts. He will continue to start uh, alongside Taremi in in the sh- double strike role. Um, your thoughts on the Brazilian?
1: So when Evan Nilsson came, he came as the last option. He came with Tony Martinez, who who didn't made was. He didn't made it, he didn't play what's expected for him. Taremi is more on a second forward in a four-four-two 2 system. And I see now Evan Nilsson is the main character of the Porto attack. He's the man who has to score, is him. And I think he's giving what is he, expected for, for him, or more. Because as I told, he came as the last option. <laughs> And now he's the first one he's um When you say the forward of Porto, you have to say Evan Nielsen. He's in a great form. He's F, uh, easy finishing. And that's what makes him a good, a great player and one of the, the highlights of Porto this season.
0: Definitely. Uh, without any further ado, we're going to move on to the Talent of the Week section. My Talent of the Week is going to be... Um, A very promising young player who has been one of the biggest uh, revelations, I think, of this league season. Uh, His name is Francisco Jorge Tavares Oliveira, or Chiquinho. Um, Chiquinho uh, is a 21-year-old winger who uh, was born in Caixcaix in Lisbon, uh, spent uh, the bulk of his career... At Sporting's academy, but ended up joining Estoril uh, in 2019. Played a um, played a decent sized role in uh, the previous season to lead Estoril to promotion. But has been definitely a lot more important this season uh, for Estoril, who have been big, really one of the biggest revelations, going from playing in the second division to chasing European football. Um, Under Bruno Pinheiro, and it seems as though uh, Chiquinho's performances have earned him a big move. Uh, Chiquinho set to join Wolverhampton Wanderers or Wolves uh, on a long term deal uh, for an initial fee of around three million pounds. And you know, Chiquinho. I think there's there's it's it's a really interesting deal and I've been talking about this a lot you know I think a lot of teams outside of of Portugal will almost wait for a player to impress on Benfica or Porto or Sporting before making that move but by the time that they they impress for one of the big 3 they're they're transfer fee will have just, just skyrocketed uh by twenty million, thirty million euros, you know. And this is where, you know, looking at teams like Estorio, Gil Vicente, Boa Vista, I think that's that's where you can find an opportunity for some massive bargains here. Because a team like Estorio you know, they they really won't be able to say no to a fee of that that is as low as three million pounds. Um and you know Chiquinho he hasn't always started for Estoril this season, but uh, when he has, he has, he has impressed me a lot. I think uh, really promising physical profile uh, has you know a very good dribbling ability, can change direction and and get into goal scoring positions very easily. I think there is even potential for him to to be uh, to I, I think he will be eased into the first team setup under Bruno Lodge. but. I can see him getting some decent minutes. I think that Wolves really, their their biggest uh, deficiency this season under Bruno Lodge has been in attack. I think that, um, you know, Raul Jimenez has not had a very good return uh, to action so far. Looking at other players such as Juan, Francisco Trincao, you know, I I think that they are missing a a good, a, a really solid attacking profile. Um, and Chiquinho is still very raw at just 21 years of age, but I think that he could end up being that guy. I think that there's a potential for him to play uh, some minutes, especially with Pedro Neto continuing to be out due to injury. Uh, I think that he's he's impressive in, in 1v1 situations. Uh, he's got a lot of skill and uh, physicality and uh, has impressed in, in quite a few games against likes of uh, Porto and Famalicão. Um, I think, you know, I think that what, what he will end up being, actually looking at his profile, looking at what I've seen of him, uh, this season under Bruno Pinheiro, I think that he may end up being, uh, Arama long-term replacement. Your thoughts on Chiquinho?
1: Here I'll have to agree with you. He's a fast player, a talented player with a good capacity on one against one. He was, ref- I think, he was representing to Barcelona two years ago. And the, the Premier League, I think, is perfect to him. Wolves is a perfect environment for him due to the Portuguese relations, due to the um, the system, the, the necessity of a, a winger that appears on attack, a winger who is strong, who is, who is fast. And I think Chiquinho would be the, the right player to the, to solve the Wolves' problems. And this is an opportunity that Chiquinho wouldn't miss. 3 million pounds, 4.5 million euros, more or less. He's not, he's a good number, but Shikin you have potential to be more expensive. But I think that not even Sikinyu wants to refuse this opportunity. It's an opportunity to, to jump to the Premier League, to a good club in England. And, it's, um, and that's it. I think Sikinyu could, could 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 make it. It's hard. He's young. He never played for a big club. He, played, he plays for Sturil, that is making a great championship. But he, he doesn't have the, that experience against the big clubs, playing the big games. And let's see how he adapts to this situation. And now he have to over to see if he makes it. Absolutely. Uh, do you have a talent of the week? And playing against Portimonense. <laughs> Rodrigo Martins from Mafra. He was a nightmare against Portimonense. If you have to say, due to this man, Mafra passed to the semifinals of the cup. This man is Rodrigo Martins. He played. He was a nightmare to Pedrão. He was a nightmare to Mufi. He, he played very well. He was... Pretty strong in one against one. He was pretty strong. He scored a beautiful goal. He was pretty strong at passing. And that's my talent of the week, yes.
0: Rodrigo Martins of this Mafra side, who have been uh, very impressive in the Tassa de Portugal. And I think that it's it's interesting. They've actually been, you know, some similarities between Mafra and Estoril. In terms of the the run to the TASA de Portugal semifinals. Uh, obviously Estoril were doing better in the league last season. But interesting, it seems like Estoril actually want uh, to to sign him to replace Chiquinho, So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think there's that would be a very interesting move, very interesting step up for him at this point in his career. Without any further ado, thank you so much, Thiago, for coming on. It was a real pleasure uh, to pick your brains on Portimonense. And yeah, where, where can people find you?
1: So the people can find me on social media.
0: At first, at Portimonense social media, the futsal
1: social media, and the Portimonense football team Twitter. And can find me on Instagram, Thiago de Coimbra. And that's it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. The pleasure was, was all mine.